The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we've got a great week lined up for you, too. And we're going to start with uh, a, a, a pretty interesting uh, topic. Um, not just UFOs, not just aliens, but we're going to be talking about star visitors and the star nations. Uh, these are um, topics that Dr. Richard Boylan uh, is an expert on, and he's going to be on the program to chat about it. All right, so let's take a break. When we come back, we'll start talking about star nations and star visitors with our guest, Dr. Richard Boylan. You're listening to Jason and JV, Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be back after this. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Dr. Borland, welcome to the program. It's really great to have you on tonight. Thank you, uh, JV and uh, Jason. It's really good to speak with you. Oh, well, thank you. We've been looking forward to this. So let's let's kind of get some definitions out of the way here so we all are on the same page. First of all, tell us who the star visitors are. Well, it's uh, a uh, term for referring to uh, intelligent humanoid uh, figures from outer space uh, with an emphasis on the ones that uh, make it their business to come to Earth and show up in the skies or appear in front of one or more persons, uh, once the term uh, visitors. And is this a term they've given themselves, or is this a a term that we've given them? Well, uh, mostly... The term extraterrestrial gets thrown around, but uh, I had occasion uh, working with a Native American elder who calls star visitors into his sweat lodge for uh, consultation that uh, the word got back to us that uh, they didn't like the term extraterrestrial. It sounded too clinical and detached, and they wanted something uh, uh, that was a little more Human, so I came up with the term star visitors, and they said that's fine. So you came up with the term, um, and but, but they approved it. Yeah, that, that's fine. It you know it it, uh, it gets away from the scary monster movie kind of stuff and the clinical detachment that some uh, scientists try to apply to it because these are real folks and they have personalities and feelings and. Uh, they, they want to be seen as, if not humans, at least a, a parallel kind of life form. Yeah, when you say extraterrestrial, of course, you instantly you start thinking of, well, scary little alien guys, whether they're doing probing or cattle mutilation or any of that that thing. So the star yeah, visitors, the I guess... Yeah, the term has really been degraded by the people that try to uh, put out disinformation about them and... and, and put out uh, scare stories. So that's part of it, too. They just like to move away from that term and try something fresh that uh, allows people to approach it with an open mind. So, uh, Richard, are these uh, star visitors uh, 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 coordinated as a group, or when you use this term star visitors, you're talking about any that kind of fall into that definition that you said? Well, uh, when I I use it... uh, in my lectures and so forth, I, I talk about all intelligent life forms out in the in the universe. But uh, but I use a special application for people that come to Earth because what interests us is who's visiting us. So uh, practically, uh, in terms of uh, working in UFO circles, I uh, refer to those that are actually showing up on Earth or in our skies. And is it these star visitors that you refer to uh, that make up the star nations that we are going to be talking about? Yes. 
very, very good. Uh, yeah, there are many, many millions, if not billions, of civilizations of intelligent life out there in all the various galaxies. But uh, Star Nations is the organization of intelligent civilizations in our galaxy, the Milky Way. That's not to say there aren't other galaxies with other uh, civilizations, and they may organize them, themselves this way or that way, but uh, as far as we're concerned, our home galaxy is Milky Way, and uh, our sun and our Earth are in it, and uh, so we are uh, the subject of visit by these star visitors, and the ones in our galaxy who are uh, highly advanced civilizations uh in other words, they've evolved beyond warlike behaviors. Earth obviously has not reached that point yet. Uh, formed a confederation, if you will, a kind of space United Nations of all the higher in, uh, intelligence civilizations that uh, have not only got their own uh, development together in a good way, but uh, actually engage in outreach. They... Uh, uh, have formed patrols that go out and look for other civilizations that haven't been discovered yet within our Milky Way. And when they find one that is developed enough, they invite them to join the Star Nations organization, which is a uh, organization of all the uh, higher developed uh, intelligent civilizations. Yeah, and I was I was going to ask, and I think you will. You just answered that Star Nations is pretty much the equivalent of the Earth's United Nations. It is, and uh, there's even little talk that uh, the idea for United Nations came from Star Nations quietly reaching out to some of the human leaders after World War II when peace was uh, upon us, and for a while there, and. Uh, all the countries that have been ravaged by World War II were trying to figure out how to uh, come together and try and solve problems without another world wars. And uh, the idea was floated by the star visitors to uh, some of the leaders that they might think about forming a similar organization that was universal, in this case universal to Earth, just like uh, Star Nations is universal to the Milky Way galaxy. And um, let it be a forum for communication, discussion, problem-solving, and other cooperative activity. Richard, how long have you been aware of the presence and the uh, activity of these star visitors? Well, uh, I uh, that goes back decades uh, I uh, had my first UFO sighting in 1977, uh, but I go back, uh, I'm a senior citizen there, I go back farther than that. Uh, I go back to where, when I was a small child, um, there, my parents uh, in 45 we're talking about a story on the radio news about how a UFO had crashed a disc, they called it, at Roswell. And uh, then, of course, the leader of the Army denied it, but I, I thought that was really interesting. I was excited that uh, there's other people out there, and it's not just us. Yeah. And then in 1952, we had, a, in July... We had a series in the United States and Washington, D.C. of UFOs fly over the nation's capital in formation for several nights. Uh, that made newspaper stories all over the nation, as you can imagine. Yeah, yeah uh, it did. Terrified, it terrified then, a lot of people. Uh, the government was real squirrely about that and eventually just hoped it would die out and started to have their scientists say it was swamp gas or a flight of geese or something, but the people who saw it uh, knew darn well it wasn't swamp gas. But right. uh, Richard, you had said that uh, there were a couple events 
during the course of your childhood that really made you stand up and take notice as to what was going on. One of them, of course, was the Roswell incident. The other was the formation of um, alien spacecraft that flew over Washington, D.C. So these things happened to you, um, and it made you open your eyes. Pick up the story from there. Yeah, this was before the UFO cover-up. People forget, they are old enough to remember, there was a time when it was okay to acknowledge that there were UFO sightings way back in the uh, 40s, uh, 1940s. But the government uh, didn't put in the cover-up, especially after that flyover of craft over the nation's capital uh, night after night in 1952. And uh, so they they covered it up, uh, but... uh, I'm I'm one of that old generation that know better than to believe the cover-up because we were around when it was still legal to believe in UFOs and to acknowledge them and see them in the newspapers. And there were UFO clubs where people would put out chairs on their lawn and invite the neighbors over and see if anything flew overhead. So it was very normal, so to speak, in those days. Uh, and then the cover-up tried to create official ridicule and people backed away from uh, yeah, being so they, open about it. They try to make it seem like everybody who talks about UFOs or possible aliens um, is is crazy. But now with these with these star visitors that, that you, you claim to be able to connect with, have you ever asked them about the flyovers that happened uh, way back then over D.C.? Well, I don't know that particular topic came up, but, uh, you know, there's been plenty of flyovers since over various places. The, the strategy seems to be if if that happens, uh, I guess it's government uh, influence on the media that the story gets localized to uh, the town where it actually happened, and uh, maybe it makes the paper there, but not doesn't go on the national wire services. And uh, but when it comes down to them actually flying over the White House, that would almost uh, that would almost see uh, or uh, DC in general that would almost seem as uh, either an imit- uh, an intimidation factor or just to to do that is trying to put the word out there for for something for a reason. Yeah, well, way back. Uh, Star visitors, uh, star nations had uh, representatives come and talk to world leaders about, tell your people, we're here, we're peaceful, we're friendly. You know, it's time for everybody on Earth to grow up and realize there's a much bigger world out there, and we're part of it, and uh, let's uh, reach out in friendship and get acquainted. But uh, and explicitly, this happened to President Eisenhower in uh, the early 1950s, and uh, he uh, was uh, summoned to a uh, meeting with them at uh, Murak Dry Lake, what we now call Edwards Air Force Base in the Mojave Desert in California. Uh, And uh, several prominent citizens accompanied him, along with usual government uh, officials accompanying a president. And uh, they saw him go up to this craft and go inside and talk with the people there. This particular race of extraterrestrials or star visitors was very human-like looking. Um, they, they wore very tight-fitting jumpsuits, but uh, they were particularly human-like looking and not uh, a little different uh, like the Zetas or other uh, races that people see often depicted. Uh, and they told him what I just said, that they would like the whole world to know this and to uh, uh, develop a friendly attitude and uh, for the government leaders to continue to meet with the star visitors about arranging ways to make uh, this truth uh, known and to share information and do what we might call today cultural exchange missions, etc., but Eisenhower said, the people aren't ready for that. Uh, uh, give me time. Well, time has passed. You know, that was, uh, I'm going to say 53. I have to look up the exact year, but uh, are you talking in the when, middle well, 50s. And here we yeah. are in 2018. 
uh, over a half century has passed and the clock's still ticking and the government leaders are still keeping mum on this. Well, but that that brings into question the whole idea if if these star visitors are able to be here to be able to fly over D.C. and evade being shot out of the sky, which you'd think would be something that would happen, um, and they want everybody to know, why haven't they just said the hell with it, the hell, the hell with the government and everybody, and we'll just let people know on our own? Especially knowing that the governments in almost every country out there have some corrupt or secret uh, agenda, reason for keeping keeping all this hidden from us. Well, the uh, star visitors are part of a higher civilization than uh, the people of Earth. They are uh, what we might consider delicate in their feelings and not wanting to seem heavy-handed or ham-handed or uh, forcible. They were hoping to get cooper- voluntary cooperation from the leadership on Earth to uh, allow this to unfold in the open in a quiet and a formal and friendly way, but uh, the lid has been kept on the thing, so that hasn't happened, but I will end that recitation of delay with this. I personally have gotten very tired waiting over the years, and I've talked to various people inside government and military and intelligence uh, fairly high up, and everybody knows what the story is, but nobody... uh, Nobody I talk to is in a position to make it happen. Uh, and people at the top of government leadership still want to keep the lid on. So I talked to Star Nations about, uh, you know, enough with this uh, peace, calm, patient, gradual approach. It isn't getting anywhere. The, the cover-up is almost 70 years and in, in counting. Uh And I say, what we need is a demonstration that cannot be denied, cannot be suppressed, cannot be kept off television or the Internet. And uh, there was some back-and-forth dialogue. And what we uh, came to an agreement about is that star nations will position uh, fleets of their starships filling the skies over five major cities all on the same day and night. Those five cities would be L.A., Minneapolis, Nashville, Monterey in Mexico, and London. Same day, same night. And uh, when that happens, and they will stay up there for 14 hours. Now, in today's world, people cannot fail to notice that. If it's dark, it'll be the sky filled with lighted ships, and if it's daytime, they can see the ships up there. And uh, they'll be whipping out their cell phones and taking pictures and shipping them to their friends and maybe the press and all over the world. And uh, the UFO cover-up will be dead as a uh, doornail at that point. And uh, then the public will insist on the leadership telling them, you know, they're up there. You can't deny they're up there. What's going on? Tell us, you know, what's going to happen next, and, and you know, are they talking to you? Uh, we need to know. And the government's going to be in the very uncomfortable position of eventually being forced to acknowledge decades and decades of uh, quiet, secret contacts with uh, select our visitor uh, representatives who've come and tried to dialogue and, and uh, well, because uh, there are people who are who know are sitting on this information about what the government knows and has known for decades and once the cover is blown they will come forward because their secrecy oaths are no longer valid and uh the UFO cover-up will be over, and the governments will be seen to have not treated their people well by keeping them away from the truth. No, and I and I understand that. But 
just two two quick questions, and then I know we got to take a break. But mm-hmm. all right, so first first one would be, I mean, if if ships just showed up in the sky, of course it would be amazing. But again, the government could just say, "Wow, look, aliens are real," and not ever have to disclose that they knew anything about it in the past. Um, well, they may not, but there are people alive and and recently departed, written books about what they knew. People like Dr. Michael Wolf or uh, Colonel Philip Corso, uh, Army, uh, who uh, described their experiences talking with them in their official roles as military and intelligence representatives of the government. And, uh, and there are plenty of others in that position, too, once the secrecy is gone, who can step up to the mic and say what they know and yeah. how long they've known it. All right. So then they'll just be able to yeah, say say it's all happened. Um, and one other thing, uh, on w- what date is this supposed <laughs> to be going to happen? $64,000 question. Um, or 65 I get the impression it is this year. I do, I do not have the exact date. Uh, that has not been given to me. Uh, I think the, the Star Visitors are watching world events and trying to find a, a window of relative calm and peace to uh, put on this display. Uh, they don't want to be uh, competing for bandwidth or uh, lead news story time with some horrible tragedy or uh, war breaking out or something. So they have to find a, the right opportunity. But uh, it is coming. Okay. I would imagine that uh, when it happens, there'd be very few news stories that could actually take the front page away from that particular event. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Richard Boyland. He is an expert on star visitors and star nations. His website is drboylan.com. That's B-O-Y-L-A-N.com. There's a lot of great information there. And a lot more to come. We're going to take a quick break. You listen to Jason and JV Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be back after this.
Welcome back. It's Beyond Reality Radio classic from The Knack. The Knack was uh, once hailed as being the next Beatles, but they had that one album, which had basically one mega hit. You could kind of call it a one-hit wonder, although a couple of the other songs on the album were pretty good. Yeah, how many bands were it? Oh, the next Beatles. <laughs> you know, Bay, Bay City Rollers was an, that's almost a kiss of death thing to say about a band. That'd well, yeah, be the next you're Beatles. comparing it to somebody that you can't compare to. It's like right. saying so-and-so is... Jeez, he's like the next Jesus Christ. Yeah, 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 how are you going to live up to that, right? <laughs> exactly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We have a, a great one going on. We're talking with Dr. Richard Boylan. He's an expert on star visitors and star nations. His website is doctor. That's not spelled out. It's D-R, the abbreviation for doctor. Drboylan.com. And uh, Richard, I want to uh, ask about one of the things that we had intended to talk about, just to kind of get it established here. But tell us about the diplomatic mission that was established in 2017. What is it, and what's its intention? Well, Star Nations is ready to go the minute uh, the leadership on Earth is ready to engage them in dialogue and uh, what we might call diplomacy and opening official relations, uh, formal relations between the nations of Earth and the nations of the stars. So uh, they uh, uh, authorized the establishment of a Star Nations diplomatic mission. Uh, uh, there's a few of us that uh, they've worked with very closely on my team that are kind of the core of that on the Earth side, or at least uh, the, the bridging folks, uh, ultimately uh, uh, the objective is to get a uh, treaty of peace and friendship agreed on and signed between the United Nations and Star Nations. Star Nations is ready to go. It's the UN that needs to uh, agree to that treaty and sign it from uh, Earth if you will, and then they are prepared to follow through with um, an ongoing series of engagements uh, in, in cultural relations and scientific uh, relations. They envision things like uh, setting up uh, experience centers, cultural uh, centers where people can come and meet with star visitors and learn about the various races out there, and, and they can get a better feeling for the various peoples on Earth and what we're like. There will be centers for scientific information exchange. Uh, uh, there will be uh, workshops or uh, expositions by uh, Star Nations representatives talking about what they believe about the spiritual matters, uh, what they understand to be the case about what we call astronomy, uh, and uh, physics, and uh, advanced uh, quantum reality and so forth. Uh, in other words, there will be a, a and uh, humane exchange. Ultimately, they would like to set up a, a, an arrangement where people who would like to volunteer to uh, could take a trip to one of their planets to see what it's like close up. And conversely, they would like to have... Uh, humans agree for them to have some of their people come and visit various countries and which I believe what they're I, like I, I believe and we have to take a break here but I believe uh, you wrote recently about uh, one of uh, something that has actually happened already where a dying planet has sent uh, a number of their residents or if you want to call them uh, them or their species I guess to live uh, on earth as a way to uh, avoid uh, extinction Richard we were talking uh, about the diplomatic mission that was established last year and the meaning of it and the intentions of it. But I want to back up because you've used some words. You've talked about you, you yourself being an ambassador, or maybe it was a counselor. I know if both words have been used. Tell us what that means. Is that an official title, or is that a title you use just to explain your relationship? And when did you start communicating with the star visitors and the star nations? 
Well, it's in a counselor is an official title that the uh, Star Nations use for uh, the designee who is the uh, planetary representative uh, from a, a given civilization to the Council of uh, the Star Nations. The Council being roughly the equivalent of the. Uh, UN General Assembly, in other words, representatives from all the uh, member civilizations, member inhabited planets, send each a representative to uh, meet and do problem solving and planning and uh, uh, advance the purposes of of the Star Nations organization. So, uh, I often uh, use it interchangeably with ambassador because ambassador is um, the human word for uh, representative of, of a nation or a people. Uh, the star nations uses counselor because their high co- counselor means a member of their high council, uh, so they're kind of interchangeable. Uh, as to uh, your other question about how far back. I uh, was in communication with them. Yeah, when did when did you start communicating with them? Well, there have been various occasions. Um, it started out more informally. Um, I have a couple friends who are very adept at. Telepathy, which is their preferred form of communication, mind to mind, not using uh, out loud language. And uh, when I was first engaging with uh, some of the star visitors, I've used that uh, help from a couple of my associates who are very good at that. I've become a little better over time, but uh, they were way ahead of me, so I kind of crutched on with their help on dialogue back and forth. I've had, uh, however, star visitors show up in person in front of me uh, and say a few words. So uh, it hasn't all been third party. Uh, This goes back to, and I've had uh, star visitors come into uh, Sweat lodges when I was working with uh, Dakota Sioux, uh, uh, spiritual uh, leader who led uh, sweat lodges. Uh, he was the star keeper, the uh, star star nation specialist for the Dakota Sioux tribe uh, of the Yankton Sioux Reservation. Uh, and when we were in sweat lodge. Uh, our visitor would come in from time to time, and and uh, we would get a message. So uh, there have been various ways I've had dialogue, but uh, and occasionally they've even put words on my computer uh, while I'm going along typing. So um, this goes back several decades now. Things have moved along quite a ways. Yeah, but you know, over that time, one you know, obviously, if 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 I was whether I'm sitting at my computer or I'm receiving a message telepathically, or or a star visitor shows up at my door, I mean, that's got to be a kind of a groundbreaking day. How did they pick you? Were you doing something that caught their attention, or did you seek them out? What was the mechanism by which this whole thing started for you? Well. Um they saw me. I didn't seek them. I didn't apply for the job. They uh, they uh, used uh, my close friend as a telepathic uh, intermediary and basically laid out, do you want, are you willing to be our representative? I, at that point, was quite well known for, on the UFO lecture circuit, for specializing in Star Nations Matters and Star Visitor Matters, and uh, with a lot more dignity and uh, without some of the hype and hope that 
who often shows up at UFO conferences. Uh, they like that. But I'll give you a deeper answer, if you wish. It involves understanding the reality of reincarnation. Uh, what I've come to understand is that in a previous life, I was an extraterrestrial, a star visitor, if you will, myself. And uh, it was on not only that, but a counselor, one of the members, representatives, ambassadors uh, on the Star Nations High Council. And uh, had some facility, eventually got to be... Uh, the head of the uh, their council for many years, and uh, when I finished my life as a star visitor and reincarnated as a human, they uh, they kept track of me across incarnations and saw my presence here on Earth as an opportunity to have someone uh, who kind of instinctively is in their corner. And uh, so when they did the outreach, it was um, them coming from that particular point of view. All right, let's jump to our phone lines here. We do have some uh, questions from listeners. This is Tyler calling in from Kentucky. Hey, Tyler, welcome to the show. Okay, so uh, basically... Um, there have, of course, been speculations throughout time that these star visitors have helped in um, certain wonders of the Earth, such as the pyramids. Um, and I'm just kind of wondering, at what point in history did we, as a society, start dismissing the idea of these star visitors, and when did we start trying to cover this up? It's a great question. So if I understand Tyler correctly, he's saying if they helped us build things like the pyramids, clearly there was some coordinated interaction between humans and these star visitors. And that must have ended at some time, at some point when we started to, uh, first of all, not believe they were here. Secondly, not acknowledge they were here. Thirdly, covered up in the case of many governments. What, what What's the answer to that, Richard? Well, Tyler is correct that the star visitors have interacted with society for a long time. You know, very shallow pop UFO lore would have all of that start in 1947 when a UFO crashed in Roswell, but that is not the case. The star visitors have interacted with human society from the beginning. Uh, yes, there, there was some helpfulness in with the Egyptian culture, the ancient Egyptian culture in... in uh, not only things like building the pyramids, but having an understanding of uh, that about the soul, life, and life uh, after death and reincarnation. Those are ideas that uh, ISIS, a uh, one of the counselors of the Star Nations uh, High Council, came down and went among the Egyptian people as, as a teacher, and she was seen as a goddess because she was so advanced. It's all the mental category they had for. But she taught them uh, things that we would call spirituality and understanding good morality and right living, and also things like medicine and uh, healing techniques and, and things like uh, how to... Uh, work with sound and energy and vibration to get these heavy stones into place. Um, but their interaction goes back much farther than that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, almost all the ancient original civilizations and cultures on Earth have had interaction with the star visitors. Uh, there's a section on my website that talks about uh, various... Uh, roles of star visitors in human development, and Tyler and others can go to that, the role of star visitors in human development, and uh, get an eyeful there. But I'm going to give you the uh, $64 uh, question answer, that uh, we as a human race 
did not just evolve. Yes, we evolved uh, as from primate stock uh, up to a certain high level, but then the star visitors came by and saw that uh, Earth was a uh, well-developed uh, physical planet and that the, uh, it had evolved species, uh, one of which was suitable for intelligent life to get housed in it with a little genetic tinkering. And so they did what we would call some gene splicing, genetic engineering, if you will, and uh, eventually, uh, through that method, brought forth a uh, primate that was had a bigger brain case, different kind of skeleton, walked upright, and uh, they kept tinkering with it. Uh, about 275,000 years ago, they began this work and got the original human intelligent enough uh, going, and then about 100,000 years ago, they came back and did a little more genetic upgrading, and what we now call Homo sapiens sapiens, modern man, emerged from that uh, upgrading. And so our very uh, existence as an intelligent species, uh, maybe it would have happened given enough millennia naturally, but they... Uh, advanced the process, uh, with, moved it along faster than gotcha. just a random uh, evolution might have done. Richard, I want to uh, kind of move the conversation a little bit because you mentioned earlier about this coordinated effort to make a statement by these star nations and, and over five cities, uh, three of them in the United States, one of them in Mexico, and one is London in the U.K., um, there's going to be a display is this display meant to intimidate? Is it meant just to make their presence known? And what do you think the public's reaction is going to be with, with this? Is it going to be one of fear, panic, or uh, calm acceptance? Well, th- their display is going to be hard to miss and hard to ignore. Their intention is certainly not to intimidate. Quite the opposite. They're, they're very... Uh, anxious to try to avoid uh, creating any fear. They, they want to make it uh, very clear that they come in peace, and uh, uh, the display will be the sh- crafts moving around in the sky. Uh, the uh, purpose of it, from a human context, is uh, they're trying to bust the UFO cover-up, and, and that will certainly do it. But not just that for itself, as kind of uh, getting rid of an obstacle to people beginning to take it seriously, uh, that we're not alone, that they're here, and that we need to be talking and learn more about each other. Uh, so that that is the core agenda, and it's going to lead to other things, as we've talked about uh formal diplomatic relations between star nations and the United Nations and uh, at a more cultural level, learning centers, uh, cultural exchange uh, centers where people can meet each other, various Earth nations and various star nations, and eventually exchange trips, uh, human volunteers going to another world to see what they're like and come back and tell folks and yeah, I, I, I need to ask you a little bit about that, too. Uh, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, there's hope that one day um, humans can uh, travel to one of their home planets and, and see what it's like, uh, get a feel for what that's about. But in order to do that, based on the distances involved, there must be some serious technology involved. Do you know anything about their uh, technology and their ability for, obviously, faster than the speed of light space travel? Well, a little bit. It involves uh, quantum physics and uh, the uh, bending of space-time. Basically, and I'm no uh, physics whiz, uh, to be sure, but as I understand it, they basically, uh, I'll I'll use terms that get used, uh, jump into hyperspace and 
kind of take a shortcut through space and time and then uh, come back down into what we would be pleased to call 3D reality at a new location, but because they've uh, kind of cheated and taken a shortcut, it doesn't take, you know, light year after light year to, to get there. Yeah, because that obviously, uh, I don't know what physically how their uh, makeup handles that type of travel, but we know that humans would have a little bit difficulty with that, particularly with with the distances and the time involved. You well, are... uh, I don't know. Uh, think about this: some of the aspects of uh, working with uh, bending gravity, uh, as they do, is that uh, they've solved the problem of inertia when humans get taken aboard a. Zeta 30-meter disk and uh, zip around in the sky. They, don't, they aren't plastered against the back wall, you know, squished because it's going so terribly fast. They've created, they've mastered the problem of inertia so that everybody just doesn't even need to sit down or hang on to something. It's like you're standing in your living room. There's no sense of being curled about violently, but... Uh, so, by the same token, uh, the jumps through space-time, uh, and some of people I've talked with uh, have been on such trips, uh, you, uh, there's no uh, sense of oddness or, or uh, damage or hurt or uh, disorientation. It's... Uh, It feels like a, you're riding in it. Have, have you done this, airliner, Richard? Have you been on one of these trips? Um, I have been on board, and I've gone up. Uh, I haven't, as far as I know, gone interplanetary, but I've been into near space, and uh, it's you know it's it's just. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, you might as well be in, in the lounge of a 747. Hmm. Uh, in fact, you probably have more sensation of, of speed in a 747 than you would in one of these anti-gravity craft. Tell us about scar, star kids and star seeds. Uh, now, my favorite topic within this genre. Well, we talked a little bit earlier about creative evolution and the visitors coming and using genetic engineering to kind of push the envelope of evolution uh, faster than it would happen normally and uh, move us from people with their knuckles on the ground of the jungle uh, to upright intelligent beings. There have been three layers of major genetic upgrading in the human story since the star visitors came and uh, worked with us, or our ancestors, I should say. I already spoke about the first one where they took a advanced primate more, more developed than Lucy, the Australopithecus, and, and moved that genetically to the first human. Um, then there was the... Uh, Upgrade about 100,000 years ago to modern human Homo sapiens sapiens. But in the, over the last several decades, they've done a third wave of genetic upgrading. We, we have a planet full of regular humans, but starting in the 70s and 80s and, and much more in the 90s and, and since, uh, there have been a new breed of upgraded uh, human, what I, I call the star kids or star seed adults, depending on how old they are, where they look and seem pretty much like regular humans, but they have additional abilities or they have them more strongly than the regular human would, particularly in the areas of intelligence and not always you know, brainy IQ, some of the intelligence takes the form of intuitive intelligence, um, kind of put learning uh, through new means of, of getting to answers that don't just follow the 
follow the uh, path, straight line path, but kind of jump around and, and put things together that, uh, when they're put together, a new piece of knowledge emerges. These uh, kids have uh, abilities that we would call psychic, um, things like mental telepathy, uh, ability to use, shape energy and uh, use it for healing. They um, can often know what's happening before it happens. They can, some of the better uh, star kids can move objects by mental concentration, just mental energy, if you will. They can see things happening somewhere else and know about it without having to travel there to see it and learn about it. They can uh, engage in mental dialogue with star visitors. Um, some of them are quite good at engaging mentally with their pets, know what they're thinking and feeling. They uh, can see auras around people, many of them and even get information from those auras, such as how the person's health is doing or what kind of mood they're in, or you know, are they of good energy or bad energy kind of person you should avoid. When I've done workshops with these star kids and star seeds, we've done things like psychic diagnosis where you kind of run your hand above their other person's energy field uh, maybe three or four inches off their body and just kind of read that and find if there's a spot that's ill or hurting or ne needs uh, healing. A few star kids uh, can levitate. I had a mother tell me about her daughter who was meditating and she came into the room and there her daughter was several inches above the ground in a seated position. They, uh, sometimes these kids can uh, use mental influencing on another person just by concentrating their thought. They uh, can sometimes cause time to get faster or slower, like to make a trip happen faster than it normally would. Kind of bending space time a little bit the way star visitor crafts do, only this at a personal level of just uh, working with time to make it uh, friendlier in terms of not taking so long to get something done. Some of them can tell if an earthquake's about to happen or a human disaster like a car crash. I, as star kids, star kids. How many of these star kids are there? Well, good question. Uh, I'll give you a... Uh, I did this calculation uh, a little while back, but uh, it's pretty good numbers. Um, Percentage-wise, um, it goes by ages. Because the, the star visitors have been working with humans for several decades now, um, obviously there are more younger star kids now because uh, the work has been going on and some of the older star kids have grown up and had kids themselves, and so these uh, kids are, are more advanced. Um, Last time I did a sample and, and tested for dark kid energy, from infants up to uh, 12 years old, about over 90% of the kids are star kids. In the teenagers, about 80%. 80%? Uh, young adults, say, up to 29, uh, two-thirds. Uh, young middle adults, 30 to 45-year-old range, about 45%, not quite half. Uh, Middle-aged persons in the 45 to 60 crowd, one in five. Senior citizens, about one in eight are a star seat. So you see, at first there weren't so many, but now uh, 
most of the kids being born and, and growing up are star kids. Now, it doesn't mean they're all awake and aware, and one of the reasons I'm quite anxious that uh, the UFO cover-up come off and that our, our friends put on their display and the whole world knows they're real is that that's going to wake up a lot of star kids who say, I've always felt odd all my life, and I, I kept myself in the closet because I didn't want anybody to know I had these strange abilities and strange things happening to me. So could, is, it, is it fair to say that we have people on the program all the time that have psychic abilities? We have people mm-hmm. on the program that have precognitive abilities or remote view. Are these, are these star kids or star children? Is that what they Many are? Many of them are. Let me say this. Because we as a human race, even back... Uh, the first batch of, of genetic development was a mixture of star visitor genetics with human or primate, earth primate genetics. And then the uh, modern humans, uh, 100,000 years ago, that when that change came in, uh, an even uh, richer blend of star visitor genes with human. And now the star kids are even a, a richer recipe. Uh, they wanted to get it just right so that this intelligent species on Earth would be sufficiently advanced that it would not make the mistake that has happened on some planets where they use their scientific and other knowledge to uh, d- destroy themselves or the planet. Yeah, we're not going to have time to get into that uh, this okay. this time, Richard, because we're really at the end of our discussion here. Okay. Um, you know, it's been a fascinating conversation, um, and I think there's I'll, a lot more I'll to talk say about. That right now, over half the human race is star kids, star seeds. Okay, uh, the website again is drboylan.com. Doctor is abbreviated DR. Boylan is spelled B-O-Y-L-A-N, and uh, there's a lot of information on there, including a lot of a lot of uh, Richard's work, uh, access to his books, and much, much more. Dr. Bolin, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and we look forward to talking to you again at some point. Very good. It's been a nice evening, and I wish you, Jason, JV, all the best, and I hope your show continues to grow. Oh, thank you very much. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.